Hi, you're listening to a podcast brought to you by the teaching team at New Life in North Lincolnshire. New Life is committed to helping transform people and transform places through the love and power of Jesus Christ. We hope you, in some small way, will be blessed and transformed by this message. Thank you, Russ. Hey, good evening, church. How are we doing? It is so good to be with you. Like Pastor Russ said, we are Ben and Gail Downing. So Influence Church is based in Richmond, which is in North Yorkshire, the very top of North Yorkshire, a very beautiful part of the world, not like some other parts of Yorkshire. I hope I haven't offended some people here already in the first 10 seconds this evening. And uh, we have five locations of church altogether dotted across our part of the north of England. So in towns that you have probably never have heard of and may never hear again, towns of Barnard Castle, that's a little bit more famous for political reasons. Barnard Castle, Penrith, Bishop Auckland and Workington are our locations of church. That's in North Yorkshire, County Durham and Cumbria. But we are so blessed to be with you this weekend and we are thrilled by the invitation from Russ and Sarah. We want to thank you for your invite. We want to honour you guys. Uh, forged together our relationship in Uganda, Russ, but we've admired you both from afar and, uh, and had some unique experiences together. But when we received that invitation, I think we both got an email. We're both separate and by the time we met together, we said, we've got to do this. We've got to be in Scunthorpe this weekend. So we're excited for that. I've not spent much time in Scunthorpe um, over however many years. I think I've been once before. But having driven in today, I thought I need to spend more time. I want to go to the pods. Don't know what it is, but it sounds exciting. I drove past the North Lincolnshire Museum. It looked less exciting, I'll be honest, from the outside, but perhaps you can prove me wrong. And, uh, and maybe if we've got time tomorrow afternoon, we can all go together. We probably won't do that. Uh, and uh, I have the privilege of being able to bring the Word of God to you this evening, but I have the, the terrible thing to follow, the m- wonderful ministry of Casey. I appreciate that so much. And also, both of us have been overshadowed by Gifts for Goats, which is just about the best thing I've heard in a long time. And so uh, I'm, I, I want to thank you for, for being here this evening and for commend you for taking chance to set time aside that on a Friday night, where are you found? In the house of God. That's a fantastic way. And I want to commend you for that in the midst of everything else that's going on in life and all the other things you could be doing. You have positioned yourself in the house of God ready to receive. So well done for that. I want to commend you for it. I want to ask us to stand together for a few moments of prayer before we get into the word of God this evening to really position our hearts and our minds to focus in. Why don't we take a moment? Let's just close our eyes this evening. You know, we pray at the start of a sermon. I'm not praying for you and you not, you're not praying for me. We are praying together that God would speak to us through his word, through the power of his Holy Spirit that dwells here. So let's just start to pray this evening. As we do, I want to just speak a word over you. Uh, I want to echo what Pastor Elena was saying as she was encouraging us in the worship this evening. The word that she gave as we were singing Waymaker tonight fitted so perfectly with the picture that God gave me this morning. I was praying for you as a church this morning, praying for our time together this weekend, and I felt like God showed me a picture. It was a picture of a piece of coal, old school coal that you would throw into uh, your coal fire, obviously. You don't throw it into a gas fire. That doesn't work out very well. But a piece of old coal, and you, many of you will know the, the age-old image of a piece of coal that falls out, and if it goes cold, uh, you can put it back in. It's reheated by the flames together, and, and when therefore we use it as an illustration. If you've been out of church, or if you've been away from God, you can come back in, and, and, and we all, many of us will be familiar with that. But as I was praying and God showed me this, this, this lump of coal that was sat there on its own well away from any other heat source. And I got the sense that it wasn't just the age old thing of you can be warmed again. But that some of you are saying maybe that's it forever. That maybe I've been out for too long. That maybe I've been distant. Maybe I've been disconnected. Maybe I've been away from God for too Maybe I'm burnt out. I don't know lots about coal, but I know at some point it gets thrown away and you get, new coal gets put onto the fire. Yes, some can be away for a time and can come back and be rewarmed and still have some use. But at some point, coal becomes useless. And I felt like as I was praying this morning that maybe some of you would, would put yourself in that category. For whatever reason, maybe you feel like somebody else has put you in that category. Maybe there's just been too long, too much of a distance. Maybe you feel like you've, you've used all that you was, was useful within you. And as God showed me this picture of a lump of coal, I, I, I saw in this image something that I don't think you can actually do with, with natural coal. There was a recoating taking place. 
And it was almost like God was taking something that was, in, in, in some people's opinions, unfit for purpose anymore, but he was recoating it. He was saying, no, no, there is still life in this. It wasn't just that you've been distant, but actually there is, there is genuine reasons why you could discount yourself. Genuine reasons why you might have felt hurt or disconnected or whatever it might be. And naturally, we can't do that with Cole, but we serve a supernatural God this evening. We serve a God who can take something that it was dead and make it alive again. And so I want to pray this evening, just as we open up the Word of God tonight. This thing that we're talking about here, there, and everywhere. Well, maybe some of you, we talk about here, there, and everywhere, but maybe you feel like you're going nowhere. That actually you've been nowhere with God and there's nowhere left for you to go. But I want you to tell you tonight that God has positioned you here for a purpose. There is something that he still has for you. If there is still breath in your lungs, there's still a purpose for you in his kingdom plan. So why don't we just start to pray right now that God would awaken something in us. That he would recoat those of us who feel like we've been burnt out this evening. God, we pray right now. Before we even get into your word this evening, God, we thank you that you are speaking, I believe, to some people tonight. That God, you have not finished with us yet. God, we thank you, Lord, that though we go through seasons and circumstances that we would never choose, that God, you never leave us, not for a moment, that you never leave us nor forsake us. You promised that your Holy Spirit would be with us forever. And so, God, I pray for those this evening who might feel like they're on the edge, for those who might feel like they've had their time, for those who might feel that they are finished. God, I pray tonight that supernaturally there will be a recoating this evening. There will be a reawakening, a revisioning, a repurposing for a new season ahead, I pray. In Jesus' Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead, grab your seats. If you've got your Bibles this evening, we're going to be in the book of Luke, the book of Luke and chapter 8. And uh, many of you will be familiar with the passage that we're going to study tonight together. But I pray that, that God would take a familiar passage and speak something fresh into your life today. We're going to read just a few verses from the Gospel of Luke. Let's go from verse 22. It says, one day Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got in their boat and set out. As they sailed, Jesus fell asleep. A squall came down upon the lakes so of the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke Jesus saying, Master, Master, we are going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith Jesus asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Many of you be familiar with this passage, and of course, the context that we read here is a storm. There's a boat on a lake, there's a storm. It's a difficult situation, and it's something that we can all relate to in many different ways, whether it's pandemic, whether it's um, wars, whether it's just the difficulties and seasons, the twists and turns of life that we all go through. You've all heard messages, you've all applied scriptures into your life that where there is a storm, Jesus is in your boat. We understand this. We can all relate to going through times where storms take us by surprise, where fear suddenly rises within us. So what we thought was going to be a pleasurable experience, what we thought was going to be an easy everyday encounter becomes something that is difficult. It becomes sometimes a desperate situation. All of us have had moments, had moments in our lives, or if not, you've seen it in the life of somebody else. And if you've never experienced a storm, please come and pray for me after the service because I need the anointing that you carry this evening. But all of us have faced some storms, and of course, in this season that we've walked through over the last couple of years, yes, we know what it's like to go through a season and circumstances that we would have never expected, never chosen, and did not know how to prepare for. But what we read in the passage is that God always has the ability to speak to us, even in the middle of a storm. That no matter how big the drama is, no matter how loud the voices around you are saying, this is it, you are done. It will never be the same again. You will never recover from this. No matter how big the circumstances might seem, how loud those voices might be, God has the ability to speak. Not just the ability to calm, that comes later. First, the ability to speak into that situation, speak into that circumstance. And you might be, even right now, in a season, in a circumstance that that feels out of control, where you don't feel like you know what to do. But we've declared it in our worship tonight that even when we don't see it or feel it, God is working. There's a confidence that we have, an assurity that we have in the sovereignty of God that he is working in that season. And so by faith... 
we can apply that into our circumstance, by, into our storms. That the God is, If God is for us, then who can be against us? The greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. It creates this confidence. It gives us this security. And so you know this text, many of you. Some of you have preached this text more times than you can remember. And you can apply all sorts of things from this scripture into your life. We can learn about God's peace. We can study about God's power. We can, we can look what it means to bring peace into, our, into the storm of our life. We can learn about our own fears, our own anxieties, that how God has authority over it, that sometimes Jesus is with us, but we've, we've given into the, the storms and we forgot that he's here, he's sleeping. Loads of stuff that we can learn from this. All of that is good. All of it is right. But I want us to take a moment, focus, if your Bible is anything like the passage that I've read and you've got a red letter Bible, then we read very few of the words of Jesus in the text. Often, uh, every few years during a, a summer study project, I will just go through the four Gospels, just studying the words of Jesus, just reading the red letters, not allowing the context outside of it. Context is really helpful, but sometimes it can cloud what's going on. But when we see just the red letters of Jesus, we sometimes can see it with a different perspective. We can sometimes get some different insight into what we're reading here. And if your Bible, if you have that on a, in print or on a screen, if your Bible rustles, that doesn't rustle very well. I always feel like it has more anointing upon it. But even if your Bible swipes, you can look at it uh, this evening. And if you just see the words of Jesus, we actually find there is very little here in the text. What we have is one invitation and one question. One invitation, one question. Let us go over to the other side is the invitation he gives to the disciples. And just a little bit further down the text, after all sorts of things have happened, Jesus offers up a question to his disciples of where is your faith? See, God has the ability to speak to us in any time, any season, any circumstance. Even in a storm, God can speak. But sometimes when he speaks, it's with a question. Sometimes God has something that he asks of us, like we read here in the disciples. And, and, you know, tomorrow we're spending some time with you. And I think as part of one of the morning sessions or the afternoon sessions, there are Q&A times. And you get to know somebody when you have a question and answer session. We spent a couple of days this week with some German pastors. German pastors love a Q&A session. We were in uh, Germany back in, I think, October last year. Uh, and we were preaching many times over two different conferences. And uh, they would finish one session and they say, hey, now we have a Q&A session. We're like, okay. And and that would be double the amount of time that you've just preached on the stage. And then they got to us one time. It was middle of the afternoon. We'd just come off the platform from another either sermon or question answer session. They said, it is a break now. There is coffee and cake. And we're like, yes, amen. Thank you, Jesus. So they led us down the steps into this wonderful kind of cafe area. And they presented us with a wonderful cake. And by the time we took our seats... 20 other leaders then sat around and said, and now it is pastor's question and answer time. We're like, okay, here we go again. And, uh, and, uh, and we live in a world where many people are looking, right, for answers. Loads of people have questions about what they've been through, about what they've faced. They're looking for some answers. And there is a lot of confusion in our world, a lot of questions out there. But sometimes I believe that God is asking questions of you and me that he has some questions that he wants to ask of us. Now, before we get into that, there's some things that we need to kind of frame in our understanding of God. There are, there are three main um, theological terms that are used to describe something of the character and the sovereignty of God. They're, they're, they're phrases, that, theological terms that many of you will be familiar with. Theologians tell us that God is omnipresent, he is, his, he is omnipotent, and he is omniscient, right? So he is all present, all powerful, and all knowing. That we serve a God who can do all, he knows all, and is in all things. One verse I think helps to capture something of those phrases. Psalm 147 verse 45 tells us that God determines the number of the stars and he calls them each by name. Great is the Lord, mighty in power, his understanding has no limit. I'm going to read that for you again in a moment, but let's just frame that, that God is all-powerful, all-present, and all-knowing. We serve a God who isn't distant, who isn't unaware, who isn't unable to change anything in any circumstance at any point. Anybody thankful for that this evening, that we have a God who is all-present, all-powerful, all-knowing? Let me read you that psalm again. Psalm 147 verse 45. 
He determines the number of stars and he calls them each by name. Great is the Lord, mighty in power. His understanding has no limits. His understanding has no limits. Omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing. So if God is all of those things, if he is the God that operates outside of the limitations that you and I live with, that no matter how experienced you are, no matter how many qualifications you are, no how many years you've been around the block, how many teachings you've bought and wear and served and everything else, there are certain limitations that you and I will always live with because we're humans. There are some people who have achieved more than you, some people who have achieved less, some people have greater qualifications, greater experience, all these different things, yes. But all of us have those limitations. That God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. There are limitations that you and I live with because of the human frame that we are wrapped up in. But we serve a God who can do all, who knows all, and who is in all things. So if God knows all of that, why would he ever ask questions of us? Why would it be, if he has all power and he knows all things, why would God ever need, if there is no limitation, that verse says, his understanding has no limits, why is it that somewhere around 500 times in Scripture does God ask a question of everyday people like you and me? Many, many times you see this throughout Scripture. Genesis chapter 3, verse 9, he asked Adam and Eve, where are you? Exodus chapter 4, he asked Moses, what is in your hand? Joshua 7, he asked Joshua, what are you doing down on your face? 1 Kings 19, he asked to Elijah, what are you doing here? Job 38, he asked him, where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Ezekiel 37, he asks him, where can these bones live? And here in Luke chapter 8, he asks his disciples, where is your faith? Over 500 times, the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God asks questions of us. Questions that he already well knows the answer to. He already knew the answer before he asked the question. So when God asked it, it wasn't because he was in any lack. Because he's the supernatural, all-powerful, abundant God who knows all things. He is never in lack. He's never lacking knowledge. If he was lacking in knowledge, mostly he wouldn't be asking people like you or me. And I hope that's not offensive to you because it's not to me either. But why would he ask us of these things when he knows all these things? Well, perhaps it's because when God is asking a question, he's not looking for an answer because he already knows the answer. What he's looking for is a self-assessment of you and I. He asks us a question not because he lacks knowledge, but because sometimes we're not being honest with ourselves. Sometimes we're even fooling ourselves about the way that we live in our life. We're fooling ourselves about the different things that are going on. We're pretending that things aren't that bad, and I don't really act like this, and I'm not really that kind of person. When God asks a question, he doesn't look for an answer. He looks for our honesty. That's what he wants from us, an honest response about why am I living this way? What is going on in my life? Those of you who are parents, you'll understand this a little bit because sometimes you'll have a scene where it goes a little bit like this. You're, you're, you're in a room in your house. Perhaps you're in the living room. And the house is in, in an adequate state of tidiness. And you leave your small children in the front room. And you think, okay, 30 seconds, I'm going to leave this room. I need to go into the kitchen. I need to stir the pot or I need to unstack the dishwasher. Whatever it might be. You leave them. They're safe. You look around. Is there any harm that can come? That everything is fine. You leave the room for 30 seconds. Maybe it takes a little bit longer. Maybe you send a text. You come back in. And a minute later, carnage. There are things dripping from the ceiling. There is, it looks like you've been burgled. You check around. No actual belongings have gone. They're all just in the place that they shouldn't be. You've got one child just whimpering in the corner, looking like there have been some sort of devastation has come their way. Another child on the other side of the room looking particularly guilty. And you walk into the room and you utter something like, what have you done? Now, really, because you're a good parent, you've assessed the situation. You already knew the answer to the question. You knew that when they went out, they put down any toys that they were playing with, and in that moment, they were desperate for the toy that they couldn't find. That one toy, that very precious toy that you got in a moment of guilt and they've had from a happy meal and is buried at the bottom of the toy box, and they said, I need this toy. What's the most effective way to find the toy? Well, it's pick up the whole toy box, slam it on the floor, spread everything out so you can find the toy, play with it with 20 seconds, then throw it at your brother and sister so it hits them in the head. 
you probably knew that something like this had taken place, but you come into the room asking a question, something like, what have you done? You knew the answer already, but you were looking for an honest assessment from your child. So they would live up to the behavior that has just taken place when you were out of sight. So you ask a question like this, but here's the thing. God asks us a question sometimes in a similar way because, yes, he's a parent. Yes, he's a father. But he's not a father that wants to bring punishment into our lives. The book of Matthew tells us that he's a good father who wants to give good gifts to his children. So when God asks a question of you and me, when he asks us to be honest about our behavior, when he asks us to be honest about the state, about the mess that we've made with our lives sometimes, the reason he asks us is not to punishment, but because God always has a plan for our lives. He wants us to be honest about the condition we're in so that then we can get a revelation of the plan that he wants to lead us toward. Not a punishment that he wants to bring. Not, okay, now it's time for your time out, but because he has this great plan for us. Jesus said it in John chapter 10 that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There is, an, there is a real enemy, there is a real spiritual enemy in our world that will try to rob you of the purposes that God has. Who will try to make you live in mess. Who will try to make you live in chaos so that you can't find the calling and the purposes of God for your life. But I have come, Jesus said that you may have life and life in all its fullness. So he reminds us at the end of the promise that he has for us, but first gives us this warning about the enemy that will try to rob us of this great plan that God has. But what happens in life is, is often we go through those difficult moments, that we face those real everyday challenges. Sometimes they're big, sometimes they're small. Sometimes are the things that we tell people about. Sometimes are the things that we don't post on Facebook and we hide and we keep to ourselves. But we all face stuff that we go through that we think this is such a difficult season. Sometimes it, 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 it tries to take us away from God. Sometimes it's not as severe as creating a distance between us and God. Sometimes what happens through those circumstances is it causes us, it causes us to become stuck in our walk with God. We were once going somewhere. We were once moving forward in faith. We once felt like that every day I was meeting with God. We once felt like I was useful for the kingdom of God, that God had a part for me to play, that I could serve, that I could do something. But now it feels like perhaps for some of you, you got to a point where I'm not really making any progress anymore. I wouldn't say I'm backsliding. I wouldn't say I'm away from it, but I'm certainly not moving towards it. There's just been a season or a situation that has caused us to become stuck. And maybe for some of you, you can relate to that this evening through, through a difficult moment, through a hard time that you've, you've been through. Perhaps you've been held back. Perhaps it's by hurt or pain. It's something that happened to you. And, and, and you didn't do anything to cause that. The hurt or pain was, was done to you. You were a victim in that situation, but for whatever reason, it's caused you to be held back in moving forward in your walk with God. Maybe for some of you, you felt trapped by guilt or by shame. Maybe, maybe you couldn't even point the finger at somebody else. You're honest enough to point the finger back and say, I messed up. I got into that relationship. I allowed those lifestyle choices to take me away from the purposes of God. And sometimes because you're honest enough that you messed up, we then get trapped in that guilt and shame. Maybe, I can, maybe that's it for me. Maybe I've messed up one too many times. Maybe there's no room for me moving forward in the purposes of God. Or maybe it's not trapped or held back. Maybe you've just been slowed down. Slowed down in your walk with God. Slowed down in your faith. Maybe by some wrong choices. Maybe by some people that you've chose to associate with. Maybe by some relationships that, that I haven't taken you well away from God. But they know that if you're honest, have slowed you perhaps by choosing to spend time in a certain way, by choosing to prioritize certain things and, and by, by default unprioritizing other areas of your life. Sometimes it can cause us to become stuck or even just slowed in our faith. But all of these limitations are not what God purposes for us. 
Jesus said, didn't come to say that we would live life with limitations, but that we could live life in all its fullness. That was the promise that he gave, that yes, things, spiritual things and earthly things will try to rob, kill, steal, and destroy, and distract you from the purpose that God has for you. But God didn't give us this life so that we could live with limitations. He didn't come so that we could live life with limitations, but we could experience this abundant, zoe, fullness of life that Jesus purposed for you and I. So when God sees us, I believe, when God sees us living in those limitations, when he sees us slowed down in our faith, when he sees us stuck from where we once were in our walk with God, when he sees us living under, weighed down by whatever it is for you, that has caused a limitation or a restriction in your faith. I think when God sees us living with those limitations, he asks us a question. He asks questions of you and I to call us back into the life that he died to give us. Because he doesn't want for us to live in that limitation. That is not the best plan that God has for us. Life in all its fullness doesn't sound like a life with, with limitations along the way. And so when he sees us stuck, or when he sees us slowed, he asks those questions. Difficult sometimes, though, they are to hear. He asks a question so that he can call us back into that life. He never questions to condemn. That's not the way God works. He doesn't question to condemn to say, yeah, you really messed up this time, didn't you? Ooh, that's it, maybe for you. Maybe that's the ninth one. Ten, ten stamps and you're out. He doesn't question to condemn or, or to create this, this difficulty or this shame upon us. That's not how God operates. He never questions to condemn, but to call us forward, to call us out sometimes and to call us into this life that he longs for us to have with him, where we walk unashamed, where we walk unhidden like some of those questions that God was asking, some of the characters that we read in Scripture that we don't walk hidden away or shame-filled, but we walk hand-in-hand hand with a Savior who has an incredible plan and purpose for us. That wherever he has positioned you, many of you here held so many different roles. If we went around the room, it would take us the rest of the weekend to say, what are the different areas where God has placed you? Who has he placed around you? What are the opportunities he has given you? Where has he called you to be? What workplaces do you belong to? What families are you part of? What communities that you live in? And there isn't a single person that is excluded from that great plan and purpose that God has. Wherever you are, here, there, or everywhere, God has a place for you in his kingdom plan. He has placed you there with a purpose in mind. And so if you live shackled with those limitations, you'll always live unfulfilled because you'll be wrestling with those pressures, those guilts, those shames, which is never what God idealed for us. There is so much more that he wants for us. So sometimes God asks us these questions to call us. Sometimes I think he asks us a question just to get us out of our own heads. Because sometimes we don't need anybody else to make us feel bad. We don't need anybody else to point the finger. We don't need anybody else to tell us what we've done wrong because we are our own worst critics. Anybody else with me this evening? Sometimes you don't need anybody else because the, the tape that you play, the highlight reel, or it's often not the highlight reel, it's the low light reel of all the moments you messed up. And it's on favorite in your mind. It plays on a loop all the time. Occasionally, it's interrupted by somebody else. So that was a nice moment, wasn't it? Then we go back to cycling around. Yes, but you've messed up once. You've messed up twice. You've messed up three times. Sometimes we have all of this stuff going on in our minds. And just because you feel something doesn't mean it's the truth. But often the way that society has gone is that we feel something. Therefore, I'm going to make a fact out of it. But just because you feel something doesn't have to be a fact in the way that you live your life. When we make facts out of feelings, it's a very dangerous way to live your life. Because your emotions are often a false compass for your life. They'll tell you, you you're heading down this path. This is the way that you're going to be now. This is it for you. And those feelings will often take you away from the direction and the calling that God has placed upon your life. So God sometimes asks us a question to get us out of our own heads of all the different things that we've been musing on and dwelling on and all of those different things. Because when you build your life on God, we find a firm foundation. 
Many different things, many different times we can try to build our stability on everything else. But the word of God, it tells us, is a firm foundation. Grass withers, flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. That he is a firm foundation for our, for our lives. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Lord is my rock, and I will not be shaken. It's a firm foundation. It's solid. Your emotions might feel solid for a moment, but they can change like the wind. Somebody else's opinion might feel like the thing that you're, you're chasing after, but it can change in a moment. That position in, in your workplace, that level of finance, that qualification, I'm not against any of those things, but often they can change and they can be fleeting. But the word of God, the kingdom of God, is a firm foundation for us to build our lives upon. So in a world that is shaking, in a world that has been more uncertain than perhaps ever before in the majority of our lifetimes, in a world that is looking for answers all over the place, I believe that God is asking questions of you and I, questions like, where is your faith? Where is your faith in this season? Where is your faith after all that you've been through? Where is your faith when you're pursuing that position in your workplace? Where is your faith when you're you're chasing after that relationship or that finance? Where is your faith when you're making certain priorities of how you spend your time or where you position yourself? On a Friday night in May, you've chosen to position yourself in the house of God. I want to commend you for that. But where is your faith on a Monday morning? Where is your faith when, when difficult seasons and circumstances hit? Let's go back to this passage here in Luke. To the disciples in the boat, in the middle of this crazy storm where they thought, this is it. This, the end might be in sight in this moment. Only two things that Jesus said to his disciples in this passage. One invitation, one question. Let us go over to the other side and where is your faith. Now it's kind of disappointing that Jesus even has to ask this question of the disciples. Sometimes we give people in scripture a bad rap. We're like, gosh, can you believe this person? Imagine, I would, I would have handled this situation so much better than this person. And, and sometimes that's, that's unfair because you don't know what it's like. You don't know how they feel and you can't put yourself right there in the moment. But it's disappointing to me that at this stage of the journey, the disciples still need to be asked a question like this. Because this wasn't their first rodeo. This wasn't their first difficult situation. This wasn't the first time that they were in need of a miracle. This wasn't the first time, even in, if you join just here in the Gospel of Luke, this wasn't even, I think, in, the, in two and a half chapters before that. They've seen Jesus heal people with leprosy. They've seen him, uh, they've seen him heal the centurion's um, servant. They've seen him heal the paralyzed man, raise the widow's son from the dead. They had seen so many things. So many moves of God, so many incredible testimonies that they had shared, yet in the moment of the storm, they'd forgotten it all and allowed their emotions to have authority in that moment. Can't the same be said of us, that we've seen some incredible things, that God has moved mightily. Many of you have incredible testimonies of what God has done in your life, how he showed up in just the right moment, how when you thought it's past the moment, past the point of no return, God has showed up and he's turned around a situation, that he's brought healing or, or he's provided in some way. Many of us, even if you've not personally had it, there will be testimony after testimony in this room of the goodness of God, of the grace of God, how the forgiveness of God has brought through and changed the situation. All of us have those testimonies to tell, yet sometimes in the middle of the storm, it's the testimonies that go out the window and the fear and the emotions that take control. And that's what happened for the disciples. Seeing God do so many things, so many incredible moments, but just in this moment, they were consumed with their own emotions. And it's after that that Jesus asks them this simple but pretty hard-hitting question. Where is your faith? Now remember, Jesus never asked the question to condemn. He wasn't about to punish. He wasn't about to tell off the disciples. He asked the question never to condemn, but to to call us 
forward, to call us out of fear and into a new level of faith, to remind us not to give in to the whirling emotions that we feel, not to give in to all of those feelings that put, to ground ourselves on that unshakable foundation, to ground ourselves in our faith. And so we ask the question of the disciples. Now again, if you know the, the context of Scripture, and we get the beauty of being able to see this, we can glance at this moment, and then we can quickly turn the page and find out what happens next, how they felt before, what happened next. And so when we understand the context of the Scripture here, the disciples were about to step into a whole new season of their ministry. A whole new season was about to begin for them. Even on the other side of the lake, remember there's an invitation from Jesus to cross over. Even on the other side, there's going to be these incredible miracles that you and I will be so familiar with in Scripture. It's on the other side of this storm. It's on the other side of this testimony that we see Jesus bringing freedom to the possessed man. It's on the other side of this story that we find those incredible passages where Jesus heals the woman who pushes through the crowd and touches the hem of his garment. It's on the other side of this story that Jairus his daughter is raised from the dead and so many of us have, have benefited from those those miraculous accounts of Jesus how many times has one at least one of those stories just resonated in you okay God if, God if you can do it for them then would you do it for me how many times have we drawn and grown in our faith because of these things and we could have missed out on it all if the story had stopped in the storm but even at the start of the next chapter We're in Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 9, we see the sending out of the 12 disciples. That just around the corner from this moment is the start of a whole new season for these disciples. To be sent out as the first ever missionaries around their communities. The first ever missionaries to be scattered from this place to go out and take the gospel to advance in other regions, in other places. The gospel was about to be spread in a way like it had never been spread before. They were about to start changing the world. But they couldn't do it without faith. They were about to change the world, but they couldn't do it if they were trapped in fear. They were about to change the world, but they couldn't do it if they had given up in the middle of the storm. They were about to change their world, but they couldn't do it if they were wrapped up in all their own feelings and all their own emotions. There was a calling on their lives that Jesus wanted them to remember. There was a calling upon them that Jesus wanted to be first and foremost in their mind, not tucked somewhere at the back behind all the feelings and the emotions and the pressures of this world. There was a calling that Jesus knew had to be first and foremost in their mind, that we are called to go and spread the good news, to be effective for the kingdom of God in our world. And the way that he reminded them of their calling was to ask them the question, where is your faith? See, that was the purpose of the question. Often when we read it, we say, well, he was saying, where is your faith? So they could have faith for the storm. But actually, when you read the scripture, you find that Jesus has already calmed the storm before he asks the question. He's already dealt with the immediate situation. He's already brought peace to the surroundings around, because it would be easy for us to get caught up in all of those things and say, well, that's why Jesus asked the question. But actually, he was asking the question not about the storm, but about what could be the possible after effects of the storm because maybe at that point as peace came upon the waters as the wind stopped swirling yet they were still in the middle of the lake still hadn't crossed over still hadn't fully accepted that invitation of Jesus to go to the other side imagine if that point if they said Jesus it's too much Jesus the cost is too high the inconvenience is too much Instead of letting go, let's, let us go over, let's go back, Jesus. Can you just turn around, drop me, up, drop me back off at the shore? If the rest of you want to go on, good. But, but for me, I want to go back to the easy life. It's harder than a thought following you, Jesus. There's never storms on this lake. Where the heck has this storm come from? Just drop me back off. Take me back to where it was easy. I don't, I don't want to move forward. I want to stay still. But before those feelings could start to swirl is when Jesus asked them the question to remind them of this great calling, to remind them of his sovereignty, 
to remind them that he is the God who is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, and the God who had a plan for them of fullness, a life that he was calling them into so they could experience this incredible new season. After the storm came their new season. And I believe the same can be true for us. Same can be true for you as a church, corporately. Same can be true for you as a disciple, individually. Seasons come that swirl around so, so noisily and present themselves sometimes so violently like the furious squall that came down upon the lake that day. Sometimes it can feel like the circumstances are out of control and God just take me back to when it was easy. But often on the other side, if we can be secure in our faith in that moment, if we can fix our eyes on Jesus, even in the middle of the storm, if we can fix our eyes on him, even after the storm has passed, but we're feeling, we're feeling burnt out, we're feeling anxious, what if there's another storm? We're feeling fearful or hurt, hurt by the storm, hurt by the things that will happen to us. I know many people who've, who've finished their race, not that they've come to the end of their life, but they've finished their race for Jesus because they were, they were stopped by the storms. They were halted by the hurt that had happened or by the guilt or shame. But the disciples decided in that moment, maybe the invitation is worth it. Maybe the invitation to the other side, maybe God has something. Let us, they remembered at that moment all the things that they'd lost in the middle of the storm, you know, when they'd lost sight of who Jesus was and his ability to heal, his ability to calm, it, they remembered in that moment, okay, maybe he's worth following. Maybe this God has got a life in all its fullness for me. Maybe there's an adventure on the other side of this lake that will be remembered for generations, that will stir faith in Christians, even in Scunthorpe in 2022. Maybe there's still stories to be revealed. Maybe there's still lives to be changed. Maybe there's still communities to be transformed. Maybe God hasn't finished yet, and he's looking for people who won't be taken out by the storm, but who will rise up in their faith and say, maybe I've got a part to play. Maybe if God can use anyone, he can use, he can use me to make a difference in my world. So what is he asking of you today? What are the questions that God would ask of you in your season, in your circumstance? We can hide away from it because we don't like to be honest. We don't want to face the reality of some of those mistakes we've made, some of the poor choices we've made sometimes, but the all-present, all-powerful, all-knowing God is already well aware of those things in your life. He's not asking the question because he's lacking in knowledge, but sometimes we're lacking in honesty before God. And so let's take a few moments this evening to say, what is it that God would ask of me in this moment? I'm going to ask the band if they would come and join us, and we're going to, in a couple of moments, worship together. But maybe for some of you, God's asking a question tonight. And he asks questions for different reasons of different people in different seasons. But maybe for some of you, he's calling you out of a time where you've been lost. For others, maybe he's calling you out of a time when you've been wandering. You've known the right direction, but you've allowed some wandering to enter into your relationship with God. For others, maybe he's calling you out of a time where you've got consumed by the chaos. We all knew the dangers of that back in those early days of lockdown where we're saying, yes, we should be informed, but don't just live on kind of BBC News 24 hours a day. It's not helpful for you. You can just get caught up in all of that. And maybe we've moved past some of those things, but you can still live caught up in the chaos. Not the chaos of a pandemic, but maybe it's the chaos of the gossip in your workplace. Maybe it's the chaos of the history in your family that sometimes swirls and rears its ugly head and you can't ever get some stability because everybody's got a drama going on at, at different points. Maybe you're caught up in some of those things. For all of us, I believe, in, in some way, God is calling us out of an old season and calling us into something new. The reason you've positioned yourself here tonight, this weekend, 
is not just to go through the motions of another church service. Because there are many ways that you can go through that. You can, you can watch online and listen to any podcast from any preacher pretty much around the world. But what you've done tonight is position yourself to say, God, I don't just want to hear another message. But God, I want to step into something new. You've got something more for me. You've placed a purpose inside of me to move forward. And so maybe God's calling you into that new season. Maybe a new season of faith for some of you. To believe again that God could use you for his kingdom plan. Maybe it's a new season of trust for some of you. You've been hurt before. You've been burnt. You've been tired. You've been exhausted. But would you trust again that God knows what he's doing? Would you trust again that the life in all, he, life in all its fullness that he promises for us isn't a life of exhaustion and burnout, but a life of abundant, faithful, fruitfulness. And so would you trust again? Maybe for some of you, it's a new season of, of ministry. To live your life to make a difference for the kingdom of God. That doesn't mean you have to have a platform and a microphone. You have to give up your workplace and come to pastors Russ and Sarah and say, Hey, I, I work for the church now. Like it or not, here I am. But maybe a new season of ministry can just be where you are, where God has positioned you, that you walk into that classroom, you walk into that business boardroom, you walk into that army regiment, you walk into that family situation, wherever it is that God has placed you, you walk in determined that you would be God's light in your world. You're not just there to to earn some money. You're not just there to, to clock through the hours at McDonald's or in the office or wherever it might be. You're there to make a difference for the kingdom of God. And so God is asking a question of us this evening, never to make us uncomfortable. That's not his purpose. But he asks us a question so that we don't become settled, that we don't become stuck, that we don't stay trapped, but that we move forward into that new season. So would you stand with me this evening? And as we stand, let's just take a few moments to close our eyes in the presence of God. I'm going to read you a couple of those questions that I that I quoted earlier from scripture just a couple this evening that God asked some of the great men and women that we see in scripture and maybe he would ask of of you this evening what is it that he would ask of you in this current season he asked Adam and Eve when they were hidden in shame when they knew they had messed up and they thought they had to hide from God he asked them the question where are you He's God asking you that this evening. He spoke to Joshua after a mistake was made. After Joshua had been doing so many incredible things. And then some people had tried to take things into their own hands, do it in their own way. And after a mistake, he said, what are you doing down on your face? What are you doing down in despair? What are you doing down thinking, I'm down and out, this is it, I'm done? What are you doing? There is so much more that he wants to call you into. He asked Elijah, hidden in the cave, what are you doing here? I don't know what that means for you. For some of you, it is something physical. What are you doing in this place? What are you doing in this job? What are you doing in this relationship? For others, it's a state of mind. What are you doing dwelling and living on those things? And he spoke to those disciples, crippled with fear, consumed by all the mess and chaos around them. He asked them the question, where is your faith? I think he asked that of each one of us this evening. Where is your faith tonight? Scripture tells us in Psalm 139, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me forward, God. Lead me into a season of fruitfulness. Lead me into a season of trust. Knowing that if God is for me, who can be against me? We're going to worship again in a moment. But just as a a way of response this evening, 
I'm going to ask tonight that if you know that God has been speaking to you tonight, could have been nothing of what I said. Could have been when Elena was speaking to us in the worship and speaking so powerfully about that. Maybe you feel on the outside. Maybe you feel like God's moving. Maybe it was something that was read from Scripture. It was something that was prayed over you before a meeting. But you know tonight that God is is pressing on some things in you. He's asking some questions tonight. You want to make a response this evening. Say, yeah, God, I'm ready to come out of that season. I'm going to ask that as we worship tonight, that we make room here at at the front. There's nothing significant. The carpet at the front is no more anointed than the carpet at the back of the room. But it's a declaration of coming to the altar before God, saying, I'm coming out. Even as I come out of my seat, I'm coming out of an old season. And God, I'm coming forward. I'm making room for more of you in my life. Even at the beginning of this weekend, I'm making a declaration. God, I'm, I'm ready to move forward. I'm ready for you to use me again. Here, there, and everywhere. Wherever you've positioned me, God, I'm ready to be used by you. To throw off this shame, to throw off this hurt, to throw off that old identity, and to embrace a new level of faith, a new season of trust. If that's you this evening, why don't you just come? And let's just, as we come before God, you can come and stand at the front, you can kneel, you can do whatever it is to make a declaration, to position yourself in a way that says, God, I'm ready to receive. As you come, let's just start to pray together. Let's just start to lift up the name of Jesus. We're going to worship again in a moment. But let's just start to call, let's just start to call upon the Lord this evening. of your sovereignty that you reign and that you rule and that God we place ourselves under that control God help us tonight to live abandoned before you confident not in our own ability confident not in our qualification of our experience but confident in the God that calls us forward who leads us into new seasons who has an invitation for each one of us come with me to the other side Come with me into a new season. Come with me away from what was and towards the calling and purpose that I have for you. Thanks for listening to this message from New Life in North Lincolnshire. To find out more, do visit us online at newlifechurch.uk or why not pay us a visit? We'd love to see you.